define, I guess, define your success and then go for that. And your success doesn't need to just be, I'm famous, really define it. Like, you know, what is success to you and go for that. All right, welcome to The Path Distilled. I'm your host, Kevin Harris. My co-host is Lauren Tashman. Hi, everybody. And today we're so fortunate to have Tyler Lee Fresh. His latest work is The Quarantine Tapes. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you all for having me. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, Tyler, and what you do. Well, I'm just a musician out of North Georgia, the Atlanta, kind of north of Atlanta area, uh, Canton music scene. I've been doing it for a while now. and. Uh, yeah, I've been, I used to live out in California, tried to do it out there, but came back here and kind of started a little career out of it. Nice. Yeah, so we'll definitely dive into that. Uh, take us back to uh, your first interest in music. How did you get started? I had a, a buddy of mine when I was growing up, uh, you know, I remember like elementary school, I used to tell my mom, you know, because they have those music classes, I used to tell I used to hate them. And I used to tell her, I'm not going to do anything with this, so why do I have to do it anyway? And then about middle school, a buddy of mine come around and started telling me about Johnny Cash. And uh, I really took a liking to the, like, the later stuff, the American recordings, like Hurt. And it just kind of, uh, I guess, awakened a passion in me. So I started to, I don't know, it was just my life. And then it's just everything about it became about music. Nice. And you said that was middle school? Yeah, about sixth grade, actually, yeah. Okay. And what was that? feeling like what did do you remember any thoughts or feelings you had when you first heard Johnny Cash <laughs> yeah yeah that's back with iPods you know back when you had to buy the music to listen to it which I guess would make me some more money if I was back then but <laughs> <laughs> but uh no I went home and deleted every other song off my iPod and downloaded Johnny Cash's Hurt and just put it on repeat man I was like whoa this is some good stuff yeah so that's obvious obviously an impact and what kind of lessons were you taking before that that you didn't like um oh like in the elementary school it was just the singing class or music oh, class, gotcha, you gotcha. know where they give you the little recorders and make you sing and all that yeah <laughs> it wasn't for me man so, so what happened after you discovered johnny i just kind of went on like a a path of kind of learning about music how it works like at first you know I began, I started idolizing Johnny Cash, you know, not just the music, just who he was. Uh, and then the older I got, the more I started to get into music in general, like, you know, the structure of it and things. Got into like some Beatles for a while. And then the, the band that really changed my understanding of theory was Van Halen. Uh, just, I went and saw them live. My dad got me tickets. I didn't really care, you know, Van Halen. I don't know who they were. And I went and I saw him, Eddie Van Halen, playing the guitar the way he does and was like, you know, you're not supposed to be able to make it make that noise. You know what I mean? Like, what is that? And so I, you know, I picked up the guitar and really delved into that. I mean, you don't really hear it in the quarantine tapes and stuff, but I grew up playing the flashy, tapping, crazy solos and stuff like that. Wow. So how old were you at that concert? That would have been, oh gosh, seventh grade, eighth grade. Okay. So it was not long after the Johnny Cash. So with Johnny Cash, I'm a, I'm a big Johnny Cash fan too. So maybe oh, yeah. just personal curiosity, but <laughs> there's so, like you mentioned, you know, kind of being a, a fan of who he was and his music. What was it though? Was it the songwriting, the, um, show, you know, personality? What was it that really drew you to him? Well, at, at first it was like, the rawness of i know he didn't write the song hurt but you could just feel the the emotion that he put through it and uh you know with the stuff that was like i was just listening to what was on the radio so you know that was brand new to me uh so that emotion that he could create this almost character if you will with his music i mean he put on you believed him he didn't even write hurt but you believed he did you know just from hearing it Sure. Oh, yeah. So what happens? Uh, how are you again practicing? You said the stylings of uh, were being influenced by Eddie Van Halen. So you started practicing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went. I took uh, lessons for a little while, um, but I was so stubborn and thought I was so good that I quit <laughs> taking them. <laughs> and then, uh, to, to, I mean, I, I still see the the teacher to this day. I don't know him that well, but he could show me up in a heartbeat if he wanted to. But I was too stubborn, and I just started. This was when the the YouTube uh, like generation of guitar players were kind of born. You know, I learned a lot from just watching and listening to the videos. And so I got to the point where, you know, if you wanted me to play a Van Halen song, I could, my eyes closed, play it, you know? Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, so like the, I took into that and that kind of led me to California. Cause again, a lot of these stores will go to, I was too stubborn when I was younger. <laughs> I really was, you know, I, uh, I dropped out of high school which I don't recommend to anyone who's in high school. If they listen, don't do that. <laughs> but I did. And I went out to California to be the next Eddie Van Halen. Right. And the first time I went into a guitar center out there, I saw the Van Halen amps, the Van Halen guitar. I was like, Oh, I'm home. Right. Pick it up. I start playing it as best I can. Nobody cares. You know, they don't care. I'm like, man, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's listening to how good I am. And this, this dude, <laughs> He looked homeless. He was a homeless looking guy, you know, dirty, not, you know, obviously hadn't bathed and things like that. Comes in, grabs the guitar off the wall, nothing special, lays it down on his lap, plugs it into some cheap amp and plays it like a piano. Better than I will ever be able to play it in my life. And that was where I always put God put me in my place. When the homeless man comes into Guitar Center and is four times better than you'll ever be in your life. You're like, oh no, I made a mistake. <laughs> and so how long had you been there at this at that time? Dude, that was week one. Okay. <laughs> like I, I I lived out there for almost a year. And that was the first week that that happened to me. And I was like, oh no. Means I gotta go get a real job or something, you know. Yeah, so tell us uh, about the rest of that year. What it, what was that like trying to after that experience, trying to stay out there? Well, so luckily for me, my father lives, well, he lives out there and he lived out there at the time. And I got to stay with him for a while. He wasn't uh, like giving me a free ride or anything. I had, he had a company at the time. When I first got out there, I had to work delivering food for his company, which I don't know if either of y'all have worked for your parents, but that, that would cause, oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's fascinating it's a good word to use I was ready to do anything else but you know I, I was my first experience really trying to play live like I went out and, and I started doing like I just asked people if I could put my guitar in front of their uh, my amp in front of their restaurant and just play it was it was terrible <laughs> were terrible ideas for shows but it was a start but uh, as for work um, I ended up lying my way into a job have y'all ever heard of the whiskey a go-go yes yeah i lied and got a job there (laughs) they uh i started on the sunset strip and just walked one day just walked to try and find a job and you know i got to the whiskey which is just about at the end of it and i go to the door person i say are y'all hiring they said no and i was at that point i just like oh god somebody and i just said is there anything i'll do whatever man and he said hold on so he goes and gets the the manager i can't remember her name at the time or what it was she asked me do you have any experiences with lights like lighting and in my head i pictured a light switch and my (laughs) finger going (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i was like absolutely and she said all right be here next week this time and and luckily they did some training which well but I, I worked there for five months or so, the last bit of while I was there. But, you know, you don't make enough money to live in L.A. So I ended up coming back home. But it was it was there's some experiences out there, man. <laughs> and I, I'm located really close to Nashville. And there's a common saying that great musicians are everywhere in this town. Did you kind of get the same sense, at least on the oh, Sunset man. Strip? So, well, here's the thing with Sunset and they're going to. Uh, well, I'll just say it anyway. You either have the the best, like your Nashville players, where it's just like, you know, guys that are playing bars. They got their weekly gig at one of the bars on that uh, on the strip in Nashville. What's, what's the strip in Nashville called? The uh, Broadway. One where all the – yeah, okay. So they have all the players that play there. And then in L.A., 
you've got the same thing, but you've also got this like polar opposite where it's like somebody doesn't really want to be a musician. They just want to be famous mm -hmm. and they have, they thought music was the way to do it. It, it. There were some shows I've done where it was like, who is coming out to the whiskey a go-go on a Tuesday? You know, it was, <laughs> you have your best and your worst. And I like that. And I guess we can dive into it later, but your comment you just made that people that wanted to be famous rather than play the music. Uh, is that, I guess I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but is that a little bit drive you? You're talking about fame? No, no, sorry, that you want the music more than, like you're, oh. it sounds like if you make that comment, you want to make the music as pure as possible and then whatever comes, comes, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way it has to be for me because I, I have a passion for the music, not so much the fame. Um, you can ask my girlfriend, I'm kind of the guy that's like, we don't need to go do that. We can just stay here and watch a Tarantino movie or something, <laughs> you know, but but it's a, it's a, the music to me has to come first. And that's where you get the authentic uh, individuals that like Johnny Cash that you end up really liking, you know? Um, I mean, if fame comes with it, sure. I just want to make enough money doing music to where I can be financially stable. I don't have to worry about, you know, paying bills. Sure. And, but I, uh, yeah. And I have to apologize for Lauren. I have a habit of jumping ahead in the story. So. <laughs> um, I'm curious though when you so when you were in California it sounds like you were you know obviously kind of self-teaching and trying to progress your skills what were you doing to try and continue to learn and, and hone your skills and and kind of work on that side of it well so with California I mean I didn't when I was out there I didn't really progress so much in the same in the sense of like my playing ability or my I mean, performance-wise, I, I would do, like, I didn't sing at the time. I kind of forgot to mention that. I thought yeah. I'd go find a singer because I was the Eddie Van Halen guy. I got a Van Halen tattoo, you know. I was like, <laughs> let's go, you know. And um, Luckily, it was convinced to be on my shoulder, so you can kind of put a sleeve over it if you need to. But, <laughs> but uh, so uh, what I learned out there was more um, the, I would call it like the, the business side to a sense of it it's not so much like you know oh your record deals and things like that it's just you kind of learn who is being genuine and who is not and that really makes a difference when you when you're playing shows and things like that uh, because you know you had everybody out there was oh I got a studio and what they had was a laptop with Ableton from 2003 which is a recording program on it you know to so take advantage of the kid who who doesn't know any better, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's all, it was good to learn that stuff. I was only 18, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's a, are you familiar with Whiskey Myers, the musical artist? He has a Not lyric. off the top of my head. He has a lyric that says the, um, the parasites are found backstage. So that kind of reminds me of what you're saying. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that's true. So you're, so you did your time and, California uh, what happens next so I come back home um, and to, to Georgia North Georgia uh, I got a job working at a music store you know just kind of running the front counter um, but I, I was still had that mindset of I need to find a band and, you know gotta find a singer and stuff until um, I was doing some cell sword work which is where you go out and play for other people you know, uh, just, Hey, I need a guitar player. Oh, it's a hundred bucks. I come and learn the stuff and play it. Right. And this one girl I knew, she was, uh, she was real talented. She was younger. Um, she's probably like 14 or 15. And her mom asked me to come play with her a few times. And I started doing that and she needed backup vocals on some stuff. And I was uncomfortable with it cause I never thought of myself as a singer, but I said, all right, I'll do it. And I got to the point where I was doing that every once in a while. And one day I said, all right, I'll sing a song, right? I'll, I'll sing one. And all my buddies came out to the show because it was a show. Yeah, you know, I didn't do many of those. As I'm singing, first song ever alive singing, the most prepubescent voice crack you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> Top of the register, back down, horrific. First time ever. And, and then my buddies laugh. I can see them. I was like, ah. 
But what it taught me was that doesn't get worse than that. You know, you, you, that's the worst that could happen. So from then on, I just said, well, I guess I'll start singing. And people started liking it. So um, kind of came from that. That's that's how I got to where I started writing my own music and lyrics and things. It's so interesting because I think most people would have that experience and be like, well, I'm never doing that again. So what led you to what led you to take the opposite viewpoint on it? Me and my buddies growing up were always, if you did anything wrong, you were going to get ridiculed for a good day. So I was so used to it and thought, well, that that's over with. I'm going to get the ridicule from it. And we're just going to do it again. Right? And so you just, I used to teach guitar and I would tell my students, the best thing that can ever happen to you is mess up on stage horribly. Now it's over with, and now you know how that feels, you know, and then go from there. I mean, I think it's good. I think it's good to, to go through that. You know, I read up on y'all's bio, Florida state, by the way, come on y'all. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I read a little bit about you, Kevin, you do stand up, right? You do um, a little bit of commute. Yeah. Yeah. I so like it, it's been a while but uh, still get on stage occasionally yeah yeah i bet it's kind of tough to get out there now with all the COVID stuff but but like it's kind of like you know i listen to guys like bill burr and guys like that every once in a while and they always talk about like every one of them goes through a bomb you know mm -hmm. they have a, a horrible set <laughs> and they can almost laugh at it you know what i mean oh yeah is that and so it's kind of the same thing to me like you had a horrible show oh well let's do the next one you know you don't quit exactly and i i was we had a comedian on chris killian and we talked about this um it's almost as enjoyable to get a groan at least in comedy <laughs> so just any reaction is a good reaction but what it yeah. does uh the other thing it does is once you get have the the good response it's addictive so you always chase that and so i'm sure it's that way with music yeah, when you have a good turnout to a show and people are responding to stuff, it, it it feels good. I don't know about with stand up if you go through this because when when you're writing stuff for music at least, you know, you're almost opening up this door to like some personal stuff and I know comedians pull a lot from their personal life. And and it's like you you want the I don't want to what's the word the uh not the acclaim but the the like the, the uh, being noticed for what you did, but you almost don't want people to dig at it. Does that make sense? Sure, is that sure. how it is with stand up? Yeah. It was worse for my wife because uh, almost every <laughs> show that I did when I was doing a lot of the shows, I had to make a decision to go full time in the comedy or my other job. Yeah. And ended up taking the other job um, for various reasons. But the point is when I was doing regular shows, they would always come up to my wife, even people that did not know us and would ask her, did that really happen? Or is that really you? <laughs> and so, so yeah, so I was always cautious and it took a surprisingly embarrassingly long time to realize that I could change the wording to where I have observed it in some cases yeah. instead of it being me. But, uh, but yeah. And I think a lot of people let the music speak for themselves and let the, uh, the emotion that comes out speak for itself as well. Yeah, I don't I don't like to get like how you just kind of put like you could change the perspective of the story. Uh, I don't usually ever talk about why a song was written or the specifics of it. Um, like occasionally I might hear there, but the, the reality of it is I like to to give the listener the opportunity to, to kind of make the song what they want it to be about. I mean, you know, what does this song make you think of? And it's about that, you know um yeah i've heard that theme quite a bit um i've done a worked on another project with quite a few musicians and many of them have said that's the beauty just like uh, any form of art once it's out there if you have a thousand people that hear it there are a thousand different stories that have now been told yeah 100 percent. and you know my, my girlfriend and i were talking about that the other day and we were listening to this song i won't mention the artist because it's not a, i love the the song i love the song but she you know I, I i always it didn't it was like a classical piece you know we're just kind of sitting in the car one day just listening to that she plays violin she's played at like the carnegie hall and stuff so she's better than i am for crying out loud. <laughs> but uh nice. so we're listening to it and she looked up what the song was written for 
and she told me and I was like damn I just did not want to know that you know it just kind of <laughs> like the whole thing I had for this song in my head I now all I can think of is why it was written you know and I, I don't I don't like to do that and another funny one for you is Goodbye Atlanta which I'm sure if y'all have listened to any of the quarantine tapes that one popped up yeah um I love that song well thank you very much both my girlfriend and the people recording it with me asked me, are you leaving Atlanta? I was like, no, man. <laughs> I was like, just a song. <laughs> but that makes me curious. So you talked about how you got interested in guitar and then how you started singing. How did you get into songwriting? Well, I mean, I, you know, you, you, if you want to, something to an extent to me well I want to express something how you take it's different you know what I mean but you know there's songs that start to say what you want to say and you can sing them but to me nothing says what I want to say more than me writing it you know um, even if that what I want to say is only for me to understand uh, and so I, I just kind of got in the knack of it where I'd start to listen to things and I'd say, well, you know, this is almost what I want to say, and then I just kind of rewrite things my way. I don't know. It sounds like I'm being, uh, what's the word, like, all about me right now, but it was just something that, that almost naturally came about. And do you look back, I don't know how long it's been at this point, or at the, the time frame from when you moved from California to now, but uh, do you look back at some of your early songwriting and recognize that you've gotten better how did that how do you perceive oh, yeah. the early writing oh uh some some of it's pretty bad um <laughs> oh some, i i really hate that i ever sent some of those early songs to my buddy who i still i've known this guy his name's durham since i was three that dude never loses anything including the <laughs> awful songs i sent him 10 years ago and i hate it and I know he's just, it's, it's like blackmail. It's like, if I did anything wrong, he's going to be like, call my <laughs> girlfriend over and be like, listen to this real quick, you know? Oh, some of it's bad. But yeah, you can hear, you, I hear the ideas I was going for. I just didn't know what I was doing. And did that, did you recognize improvement as it was happening or did you just learn to tweak as you went and then realized you were much better 10 years later? The, the improvement kind of came with understanding theory a little bit, uh, music theory, was as an understanding, you know, you're not just playing chords you've heard before, you're, you're using theory to build a structure. So once I understood how structure worked, because at first you just pick chords you heard from another song and play them a certain way. But once I got theory to an, a, a little bit of an understanding, I could, I could build this structure around something and then just kind of put the emotion on top of that um it just kind of makes songwriting i don't want to say quicker but it makes more sense in your head like i don't have to sit there with my guitar to come up with an idea i can sit there in my head and go through a number system and say okay next time i sit down and record i'm going to try these out and see how that works mm -hmm. so it yeah you start to understand what you're doing a little bit more uh, and you mentioned emotion yeah, it did. And you mentioned emotion. And I have to say the, uh, that's one of the first things that struck me about Goodbye Atlanta was just the sheer amount of emotion that, that's coming out of the song. Um, I think same. Yeah. And the song, all the songs I listen to, it's a very uh, tangible thing that you you're connecting with that. Yeah. It's funny, you know, they are emotional and they all do have personal meaning to me. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to go into what it is, but they do have personal meaning to me. So I can put that emotion behind it. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a very outwardly emotional person when it comes to just talking to me, but I find it as like an outlet, you know, mm -hmm. the thing you don't want to talk about, you can write about. Sure. Um, yeah. Oh man, I'm not going to let my girlfriend listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm being very careful not to uh, reveal anything you don't want to. So uh, we're good there. I mean, so. No, you're good, man. I mean, this is fun. I enjoy this. Um, so still in the timeline, you're in Georgia trying to get gigs or now that you're songwriting or how does the performing come about? So I started doing 
open mics with uh which luckily for me i just happened to pick the one that a lot of the local players were doing uh not just people and nothing wrong if you just like to go to an open mic and and have a good time more power to you but i happened to pick the one that a lot of the guys who go out and play were playing um and i started i started doing a few covers here and there you know treated it like it was a show instead of like a fun time open mic kind of thing and uh uh, I just started doing those on like a weekly basis. And then um, as for shows, I don't really remember what my first show would have been. But I remember I started doing the like four hour gigs, three hour gigs where you're singing nonstop for that much and you don't get paid that much. <laughs> and uh, I, it's it's brutal, but I call it cutting teeth, you know, because there's some young artists that come up to me, not that I'm some guy that, that they need to come up to and whatever, but they do. And they ask, you know, oh, should I play this gig or should I not? And I just ask them, one thing my dad always told me is, you know, act like in the position that you're going to be n not where you are now. Always act like where you're going to be. And I always ask them, you know, set that, do you have a standard set for yourself? They say, yeah. I said, does this hold up to your standard? They say, no. I said, can you make it hold up to your standard? Say, no. I said, no. Or yes, then go do it. Make it hold up to that standard. You know, I mean, you've, you've got to go through the, the horrible gigs of four hours playing in front of people who really don't want to hear you and singing the songs you really don't want to sing for no money and some, uh, some exposure. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Some exposure. Yeah. But once, once you make a little bit of a name for yourself, you can get out there and start getting the gigs that, that pay a little bit more, that you want to play and things like that. But uh, it took a while of doing those gigs to get to where, you know, now if it's a four-hour gig, I, I'll probably say no, you know, just because that's, that's not what we do. We set up shows. We don't just do four hours of music. During that time period, what was driving you to want to pursue this? I, I still had that same passion, I guess, from when the, the first Johnny Cash song I heard. I mean, it is just a passion. I mean, you know, it's like you feel like that's what God put you down here to do. I mean, it'd be wrong to try and do anything else. You know what I mean? And yeah, I've had jobs, you know, you've got jobs, you got to pay bills. But yeah, I mean, it's the music's always been the driving force. And what has it been like with, uh, you said some of the younger musicians or other musicians come up to you after shows. What has that been like? Well, uh, it's usually somehow they, they, they've heard of me or something and they want to, they just want to pick my brain, which is fine. I don't mind doing that. I like talking and, and I usually try and steer them in a way that one saves them some money uh, and two, you know, I don't know, saves them a little pain going through all the, the just gigs where you feel like you're unappreciated. Um, but one of the things I always want to tell them too is, is when it comes to recording, uh, the quarantine tapes was done in a studio and everything, but that just happened because of COVID. Uh, I had a buddy hit me up and said, do you want to record? I said, yeah, ain't nobody's doing anything. So, but, uh, the way I record typically um, is I'll record on my iPhone, the phone I'm talking to y'all on right now. I'll mm -hmm. record all the guitar parts and vocal parts on here and take them to a, a guy named Stephen Morrison. He's didn't tell me this when I started working with him, but he was Grammy nominated and toured all over the world and all that. And had no idea, but he was making my songs from an iPhone sound incredible. Yeah. And so I was just blown away. I still work with him. We're working on a few follow-up projects as we speak. Um, but, uh, but that's one of the things I tell the younger people is like, you know, they're trying to spend $10,000 in this studio. And I'm like, no, don't spend no $10,000 <laughs> in the studio. Get good enough quality recordings and take it to somebody who knows what they're doing. Mm. You know, pay the guy who makes, if you already know how you want everything to sound, pay the guy to make it sound like that. Don't go in there and use their, their, you know, 600 a, a day studio rate to get drums done, you know? That's good advice. How much would you say Georgia, being from Georgia plays a role in your music or sound? 
I guess a lot. I mean, um, I mean, I guess it's got the the southern aspect to it. I don't know what y'all took from the the uh, EP, but I guess it's got some southern feel to it. And so, I guess being surrounded by that your whole life. I mean, I'm outside right now, and all I'm seeing is like woods and stuff. You you said you're in Nashville. I mean, y'all got plenty of trees up there and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm yeah I'm I'm native Tennessean, so similar uh, type experiences, I suppose. Yeah, you're just kind of surrounded with. It. I don't. I do not listen to radio country. Uh, you know, I'm not going to name all the names out there that who are over on the radio, but just uh, uh, you know, I listen to the stuff, the Johnny Cash stuff I was talking about, or uh, uh, Dawes, if you've heard of that band. Sure. Um, but yeah, you know, you. I don't know. It's kind of a different era we're in when it comes to music, though. You know, you you don't really hear just where you're from and what's what's on the radio you got spotify apple music you mean you just pick an artist you somewhat like and now you've got your own radio station tailored to it so you've been reaching some greater amount of exposure this year how's that uh talk a little bit about that well it's surprising uh i mean i i was not expecting the response I've been getting, which is good. It's a good response. I didn't think people would hate it. I just thought, you know, I figured 600 listens in the first week would be something good, right? And I think I was near 4,000 in the first week or something. And now we're at almost 15,000 and it'll be out. It's only been out a month this coming Friday. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah, that's... That is brand new to me. I mean, I, I didn't really do too much. I just did some Instagram ads and you, you, you kind of submit your music to some playlists here and there. But, and then people like y'all, like, I, I have a question for y'all. I'm very interested actually. <laughs> like what I got, the, I got y'all's email and was kind of like, man, I, I, I Googled y'all so quick. I, was, <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, like, wait a minute, you know, but how did y'all hear about me? And what interested y'all into talking to me? Because I always find that kind of an interesting uh, perspective, you know. Uh, that would be me. Um, so I came up, I guess the Instagram ad, I started following you because of it, shared it with my booking manager and shared it with Lauren and just said, we all agreed that we would love to talk to you. And uh, so I, I like that. I know genres, people don't like using the word genre right now or it's falling out of favor, but I like that sound that you have and yeah. similar to other artists that um, that same response, I should say, not that you're similar to other artists, but that emotional response. And I'm like, we have to talk to this guy. And uh, so, yeah, it just all came from that, I guess, original uh, Instagram campaign. Man. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's a lesson to everybody. Get on Instagram. This <laughs> is promotion. Like, like, man, it really worked out. I mean, I've, yeah. And I'm not a social media guy. Uh, I don't, I don't enjoy getting on there and, and posting, you know, um, We're but it is a, yeah, <laughs> you, you have to admit it's such a great tool to just get your stuff out there. I mean, how, how else are you going to do it? Right especially right now when you can't go play shows and stuff. I mean, I guess you could, but we haven't booked any. Uh, I sent you the, the picture, too, of the, the last show we did uh, February. Yeah, that was uh, – it's kind of strange to look back at that because we, we were hitting our stride with the live stuff, and this is before quarantine tapes came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yeah, but this was right before all that, and uh, the place was packed. People are – you know right next to each other this is in smith's old bar in atlanta and i and i know a lot of these live venues are hurting right now because of mm-hmm. uh because of covid they're not i mean i i wonder what it's like in nashville is all the live stuff just dead uh there was a mandate by the mayor to stop everything on lower broadway which is where the most of the venues are it reopened yeah. a few weeks ago but there's been enough uh problems with the the numbers going up that they're currently limiting them on Broadway specifically. And then they're um, all bars are having closed at 10 o'clock currently, <laughs> not mm. just on Broadway, but yeah. So the live, 
it opened up for about a week, but things shut back down. Yeah, there there are places that are doing live shows here, um, but they're not they're not doing one as many and two the capacity is so low. Um, the only thing I've ever do, I've done since this is just a couple of open mics that a buddy of mine runs outside. You know what I mean? Like about as spread out as you can get, uh, and that's just to keep the chops together. We you know, but but this was the last live show, and and uh, you know it's weird. You miss it when you can't do it like a lot. So I'm curious, what uh, what are your plans for when things do open up? Well, right now I've got a release schedule for uh, for the stuff coming out. Uh, three song EP will hopefully be out, out in a couple of months with some local artists that I know. Um, we're going to put something together there. And then hopefully about six months from now, we'll have a full length album out. Um, but that's really what the schedule is right now for what I know. Uh, as for live shows, it's kind of just, I mean, we might do some live streams um, and things like that, but, you know, I don't really want to get everybody out there for, you know, packed in a place. Sure. If, uh, you know, with all the COVID stuff going on and everybody needing their masks and stuff, and, you know, you just don't want to risk it. And I don't want to be the cause of any of that stuff. So, Sure. I have a question that's kind of been looming in my head as I hear you talk about how you got started and and how you've uh, you know your your path has evolved. When I'm trying to think about how I want to word this, but <laughs> um, what type of approach do you take to you know trying to set out to develop your craft and to achieve the goals that you have? Like it doesn't. I guess I'm asking because on the one hand, it sounds like you're very intentional, you know, about what you're doing and, and how you're doing it. On the other hand, it sounds, and I don't mean this in a bad way, we all have kind of different styles for this. But on the other hand, it sounds like you're not the type to be like, I'm going to set all these goals and deliberately go out and try and attack them. So talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, it, it kind of, it, it changes with what the, answer becomes so when it comes to like an end goal mm -hmm. uh, i do have kind of a, a set path to it um but the the funny thing is like you know the end goal is financially stable through music right mm -hmm. but it's funny how all the little steps in between always you know you think you've got them mapped out and then you've got to tweak it as you learn mm -hmm. um for instance like this the quarantine tapes coming out was a surprise you know i didn't expect it to do one i didn't expect to do it in the first place because of covid and then you know because that was never the plan and then all of a sudden covid hits and then you, you're doing something different and you know um but the the, the my point being is you learn kind of as you go with it like you think you've got these steps mapped out and then as soon as you take the next step all the other steps change because you learn eight different things about that last step you had no idea about until you got there i mean that go ahead i was just gonna say that that's common yeah i mean that's that's the best way i can do it i'd love to say you know like i'm gonna go out talk to these people do this thing and that but then as soon as you talk to those people you find out well you had to talk to seven other people before you talk to those people and by the time you talk to them seven people there's another person you gotta you know and you just it just all becomes so you you learn as you, you surround yourself with, with smart people and you know, like my dad knows business really well. So I'll, I'll sit there and listen to him talk to me about, he, if he listens to this, he'll get a kick. Talk to me about the same point over and over and over until <laughs> I said, yeah, okay, I get it. And then he realizes he talked about it too much. But you never know what, what the next step's really going to be until you take it. Uh, one of our coworkers used to say, at Florida State used to say that we, had, uh, or that I had, like three or four stories on auto repeat. So I guess I'm like your dad. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what, have you, what have you learned about yourself throughout your journey? Well, yeah, I've learned you can, you, you're never as tired as you think you could be. Uh, that's one thing. I mean, my gosh. But uh, I've learned about myself as being able to almost comprehend emotions better. Not that, like I said, not that I'm an emotional guy, but it's understand them. Uh, another thing I was told when I was always 
expand your vocabulary. You know, instead of being mad, you might be frightened, uh, happy, you might be excited, uh, you might be, things like that. And so what I've learned is just kind of understanding what those mean, what those words mean. And when it comes to myself, you know, like I can usually just like trace back a feeling to the moment of where it came from. And you know, I just, when you get older, I guess, handle them a little better. And so what advice would you have for an aspiring musician or performer? Uh, work your butt off and then, and then, you know, make smart decisions. You know, just because you want to do something don't mean it's the right thing to do. You know, uh, just because you want to go out and play doesn't mean you should go out and play all the time. You know, um, I mean, I don't look at myself like the guy who's got it all put together or anything, but, <laughs> but it, you know, from what I've learned is, you know, you just don't go do everything. Figure out what, you know, figure out what you think the next step is. Try and take it and see where that leads you. And that makes me, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm curious, The, at least in comedy, there are people who are able to do it without putting the time in. But I know there's a great deal of respect for people that have been through the trenches. Do you get the same sense that musicians have a similar respect? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, you can always tell somebody who's green, you know, somebody's <laughs> green versus somebody who's who's been out there and, and played the gigs that they hate, you know. I remember there was this one guy, and I, I, I thought I'd done a lot, but this guy, I don't know. I'm not going to say who he was because, one, I don't remember. I didn't know him. But uh, I was outside a venue one time, a venue that I like to hang out with, and I was having a cigarette just kind of minding my own business. And this guy come out, kick the back door open, starts cussing like crazy, does not know I'm sitting right there. And I think he said that that year alone, he had done, I think, 500 shows, and he's sick and tired of dealing with it. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, I played four last month, and I was like, we don't need to play another one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <I> like, <laughs> but wow. you can always tell when somebody's got that, like, like they'll, they'll play an open mic and you know, and you can just see the, the, they have the excitement of like, it's a live show like, mm -hmm. and it should be a live show. Yeah. But they have the excitement of like, you know, they're billing it like it's their show, which is great. You know, I love seeing it. It's good, you know? Um, but you know, it's just funny to see it. And then you see the guys that are like, I'm just doing this so I can remember how to sing when COVID goes away. And you know, it, you, you can just tell the differences. I mean, it's interesting because the music industry, I think, just like every other industry, has changed so much throughout the years. And I think there's an illusion maybe that it's easier because of streaming and, and all that stuff now. Um, but it's certainly, I think, still a, a difficult industry to kind of, quote unquote, make it in. What do you view as your keys to success as someone along that path? Well, I mean, you've got to define success for yourself first off. But for me, to look at right now, I, I consider the quarantine tapes to be a success. Um, I made $16, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but looking at it as in, it, am I growing uh, in what I'm doing? You know, and not, not just personally, but like, is your brand growing? Is your name growing? Is your music growing? Um, and if you can say that with everything you do, that it forwarded yourself in some way, then I'd consider that success. Um, and, and I think that's how you should look at it. Don't get mad when, you know, your song's not on the top 10 all-time Spotify plays. I mean, real, realistically, it's not going to do that. But if you're constantly growing and enjoying what you're doing, I mean, I consider that successful. That's really good. Um, and I've heard whether it be comics or musicians or anybody that's in entertainment have mentioned before that kind of spot that's almost more painful than either being unknown completely or being having so-called made it that spot where you're kind of in yeah. the middle and you're like, I'm tired this month, but I'm so close to the, I can see what I'm, I'm where I'm trying to get. Um, have you had any experience with that or with any musicians that, you've spoken with 
Yeah, I, I have. I, well, I, I'll be on. I'm kind of in that right now, but I, I wouldn't call it bad for me. I'm just excited to see. It's farther than I've ever been before. Mm. And I'm kind of looking at where, where's the next, what's the next leap in that. Um, but I have known some musicians that have done some, some pretty big things, you know. I mean, I consider them big, but that's not what they're, like, they didn't define that as success. That's not success for them. So, yeah, they kind of hit what I, I mean, it is middle ground, you know, they're not big time. They're not that. Um, there's some guys in Nashville I know. I'm not going to say their names because it is not really flattering. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to. But they didn't, I mean, they want more. Like, what? what is the next leap? Is it, you know, 15,000 streams a week as opposed to a month? I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> sure. Well, it's just my personal opinion, and you've alluded to this, but I think that in any entertainment field, making a living is some degree of success, regardless of what the domain is. If you can make a living in that field or domain and you're happy, one is happy, then I think that would count for almost anyone or should. Yeah, you're right. It should count for that. It should. I agree with that 100%. Like, if you're happy and you've made a living, you know, why do you have your face on a billboard? It doesn't make much sense to me. I mean, I think you're after the wrong thing if you're you're just looking for fame. I mean, you know, not, and if fame comes with it, it comes with it. But you, I don't think that should be your goal. Your goal shouldn't be, I'm going to be famous. It should be, you know, I'm going to be happy doing it. And have you – and feel free not to answer if this is too personal, but have you felt now that you have more eyeballs on your work, have you felt the pressure ramp up at all? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've felt that for sure. I'm constantly talking to the people I work with, you know, like, like in the music, like, all right, when's the next day? Oh gosh, I got to get this done. You know, and you're planning out, you know, I'm I'm scheduling out times to record stuff. You know, you're like, Oh yeah. Cause before, you know, you just sit down when you're feeling something. Now you're like, I got to have this done by Friday. You know, it's like a <laughs> deadline all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, but, it's uh, go ahead. Does that concern you? Are you afraid of what it'll do to your love? Nah, I, I enjoy it. Kind of lights a fire under your ass. So you get it done. Cause before I don't want to say I procrastinate, but you know, it, it was real easy not to do it. You know, like, you know, I had a long day. I just want to go watch the Godzilla so you turn on TV, you, know, you don't care. Yeah. But then now you're like, if I don't have this done Friday, I've got to reschedule it and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I like it to an extent. So uh, anything that we haven't asked that you want the listeners to be aware of? Um, no, I can't think of anything. I'm just enjoying talking to y'all. I mean, this is a good one. This is a good podcast. We're, well, thank, thank you. We're enjoying it too. One of the things we always ask people is for their perspective on the what most people refer to as the nature-nurture debate. Kevin and I were, we met and kind of were trained in expert performance and really trying to be attuned to, do people think that they have talent and that's what's responsible for whether or not you're successful or could be? Um, or do people think that it's some um, something other than what you're born with. So what are your thoughts on that for yourself? Uh, I would, I would go with, it's something learned. Um, uh, Cause anyone can learn to play the guitar. And you know how they say people, uh, some people say they're, uh, they, they have no rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, ask them to count to five and listen to them <laughs> count to it in rhythm. Cause nobody goes one, two, three, four, five everyone has a little bit of something in them. It's just the, the, the nurturing of what's there to, to actually get talent from it. If you ask me, um, at least when it comes to like being funny, dude, I don't know how I, I don't know, man, that'd be real tough for me to get up on a stage and, and, and try and make people laugh. I mean, that would, Oh, but. Well, I actually started doing stand up to overcome fear of public speaking. So I just, did the thing where they, you know, if you're afraid of heights, they say jump out of a plane type deal. <laughs> so I just went all the way in. And then, and you, and you still in it. Um, I mean, it, it's 
honestly, it's probably been uh, five years since the last time I've been on the stage, but I still, I've recently started uh, writing again. And so I don't know why yeah. um, I, I used to keep a notebook like many songwriters um, and had jokes all the time. I used to share a lot of them with Lauren. And uh, I was, yeah, I was a test <laughs> subject, just like his wife. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that stopped for a long time. And for, I guess, for some reason, it, uh, my writing is pretty frequent again. And I, I'm not a writer that sits down. There are some comedy writers that will sit down and write for four hours or two hours or whatever they've set for themselves. I'm the type, yeah. if, I, if I see something or think something that I think is funny, I'll, I'll jot it down. And then sometimes I'll look back like you said, and I'll be like, that wasn't funny. And then other, <laughs> other, to- other times I'm like, yeah, this is, uh, this is golden. So. Well, yeah. So you got a passion out of it, ironically then like, you know, going on stage to do something that you were just trying to overcome something else. Yeah. You got, you gained a passion. That's kind of neat. Yeah. And I was always a class clown. So <laughs> yeah. right, this uh, Laura's yeah. going to remind me this isn't about me. So yeah. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> I'm curious, Tyler, though, if you've ever had, you know, at this point in your journey, have you had moments like that where you felt a little less connected to what you were doing or a little less motivated? Oh, yeah. When I did the the sellsword stuff, being honest with you, like, you know, it just wasn't for me. I mean, just going out there and and just pulling some stuff that you really had no passion for. You barely got paid. You were supposed to get paid. Um, and they always said some reason they couldn't pay you uh yeah that takes you right out of it i mean you're just like okay i'm gonna just go i don't know work retail somewhere and then you work retail and you're like never mind i'll go do the sales (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i've had that so at any point in the future will you move will you head up to denver and change your name and (laughs) lie about your life it just depends on if uh, the Instagram comments start getting really nasty. <laughs> I might. For the listener that might not be aware of the joke I just made, it's uh, those are lyrics from Goodbye Atlanta. So. Um, so Tyler, what to kind of wrap up here, what do you think is the biggest takeaway from your story? Boy, that's a big question. <laughs> um, I guess the biggest takeaway from it would be at least that don't let a $10,000 studio stop you from making music and putting it out. Um, and then for, I guess, people who, who aren't just musicians, who are just everybody is just, you know, define, I guess, define your success and then go for that. And your success doesn't need to just be, I'm famous, really define it. Like, you know, what is success to you and go for that. Thank you. Enjoyed the conversation. It's uh, been a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, thank y'all. Path Stilled is hosted by Kevin Harris and Lauren Tashman, created and produced by Kevin Harris. The content is copyrighted by the Path Distilled, all rights reserved.